Another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mel McFadden. I'm sitting here back in the hot Middle East where it's dry, and uh, I won't I won't lie, I was crushed by the travel back, and it feels a bit weird to be sitting on the other side of the screen rather than next to my buddy Mike. How you going, Mike? Pretty well, Melon. But yes, it does feel weird. You're back to being nine inches tall and in this little tiny screen in this box, and yeah, it's. It doesn't feel like home anymore. I'll admit it. That's pretty funny. I'm, I'm like looking at you there and I'm like, I should be over there. I should be having a cold frosty right now yeah. with the, with the flags on the walls and the shot glasses and the equipment lying around the joint and maybe a firearms lesson happening and a piano being smashed in one room. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to hold on to what we made here, Melon. I mean, as you can see, uh, Cherry got me this bandana. That's the Australian flag. So I'm proudly wearing that right now. Like Brett Michaels. Yeah, everybody. Like Brett Michaels. That's right. The Australian version. And uh, enjoying a nice blue moon after work. So. uh, Mate, and with the blue, I mean, it's a blue t-shirt rather than a blue singlet, but you could be in Australia right now with an Australian bandana and a cold beer. I'm all about the fusion between our cultures now. Like I, I completely understand you as a human being uh, <laughs> and, and where you're coming from and everything else. So uh, I'm all about it. I feel like the Yinzes are like a couple of percent Australian to start with. And I feel like we added something. You got an Australian flag beach towel. You got an Australian flag bandana. You got Vegemite in your house. Correct. You can't say there's not going to be many of them within 500 miles of where you are. I was thinking about that and I think you're absolutely right. So I was actually getting some looks. I went to the beach the other day, uh, just to wind the weekend down, and I took out the uh, beach towel. That's also the Australian flag laid on it. And then whenever we go out, me and my friends, we always take uh, little American flags, uh, four of them, and we put it like around all of our stuff to kind of block out our beach, you know. And uh, so people are giving me some looks with Australian stuff on, but little American flags, you know, and they're like, they honestly had no idea what to say to me, which was kind of funny. But, uh, a little joint joint task force, a little a little America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's technically called a combined joint task force, you know, whatever with international. But yeah, so uh, don't yeah. act like you're learning stuff at school, dude. I do feel smarter. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> I can I can sit in a room and actually understand acronyms and you know structure and stuff instead of staring and just counting the you know, how many things are on the ceiling and just be like, oh yeah, I'm totally paying attention. I get what you're saying. Mm. Counting rounds that are going out of your magazine and always being right. Yeah. yeah. I'm educated, man. No, it's good. It's really good. And honestly, we had such a great time with you. I know uh, we covered a lot of it in uh, episode 55, which was, you know, I love that episode and I'm going to save that for my children to listen to when they're, grown adults because that was a pretty special week but then after that we then flew over to Norlands Louisiana and we had a real family week with Cherry's sister and uh, our brother-in-law so shout out to Loza because Cherry is Cheza and Laura is Loza and Derek in uh, Nola and uh, their good friend Ed whose house he kindly gave up and let our whole family come and stay with him 
And they, they moved house in the middle of that. So it wasn't just Sioni moving. It was like <laughs> right in the middle of possibly the worst time. So we just were there helping, carrying beds and shifting house and just being like family. And it was really good, really, really good time. It was a bit more chilled. It was a slower pace, I must say, than Virginia, Virginia Beach. Well, I'll take that as a compliment, which is partly what we're talking about today. But I'll take that as a, as a positive compliment, Melon. Thank you. And how have you been, mate? Pretty, pretty chill, to be honest. A- again, after the hour week of spending together, man, it was like going back to work was a step down. And, uh, <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's been pretty good. Just, uh, you know, I'm, I still have school to do, administrative things, getting ready, honestly, to go to Montana and hang out with Raf and Boggs and all those guys here in a couple of days. So just tightening up a few loose things with some scheduling and, and some different things and, and getting ready to go and have some more fun. I, I actually got a really packed uh, August. I'm going to Montana, D.C. again, and then down to North Carolina to visit our buddy Samir. So, Mate, what a great month you got coming up. And just because you dropped his name, how come we're not hearing a high-pitched voice stuttering and stammering in the background? Yes. So today's topic, just to cover it, is going to be positive and negative reinforcement and how that can affect a culture, a workforce, et cetera. But first, we're going to take a, just a minute to just really give some negative reinforcement to Raf because <laughs> welcome home, Raf. Raf is now home from overseas and he's home in the, what is it, the Pacific Southeast of Missouri, I think he calls it. <laughs> So he's there with Aubrey and his, and his son and the family, you know, everything, which is great, man. Welcome home. But Raph, Welcome home, Raph. Raph failed to let his team know that he decided to go to an amusement park last this morning. It is now afternoon. It is two o'clock East Coast time. Uh, we can't we can't hate on him too much because he's just home and he wants can. family time and stuff. You however, but however, comma. Yeah. <laughs> however, I will. Update the RV timings. <laughs> so, no, what was the Raph, time hack? Yeah, but Raf, Raf was uh, in typical warrant officer fashion. Uh, I got mine. You know, warrant officer. I got mine. So he's getting his. But they, say, they say that's a Jack man in the Australian military, and it's that's fighting words. You get <laughs> called a Jack man. You're only looking after Jack, which is yourself. Well, and I also might say that it's Charlie Papa. We won't define what those two letters stand for. <laughs> Well, uh, old, old Jay Raff, there we'll call him Jack Raff, is uh, man. having himself a day. So, uh, Raff, I'll never forgive you for this. And uh, <laughs> especially, you know what? Especially after you guys sold me down the river on the last episode or whatever that was, when I just totally <laughs> crapped a bed with Mark. And you guys are like, oh, we're leaving it in just to make me sound like a turd. So, you know what? It's Raph's turn. So, I'm giving it back. So deal with it. Anyway, shout out to Orbs. Hey, gun. <laughs> yeah. The person we all care about. <laughs> all right. So, the topic this week, feedback, the impact on culture and then performance. So, where did you want to kick us off here? This came up, I would say, last week. So, we're going over a lot of stuff and me in a leadership position. And uh, I actually, I, I met some people at the beach, uh, my friend Brady and Katie, you know, his, his wife's a, a nurse uh, and is in a female run 
organization, you know, like they're very alpha female. And we were talking about a lot of examples with that. Brady was sharing some things. He, he you know, he works on engines for uh, Navy ships and stuff like that. And then just kind of everybody else that I've talked to, Melon, you've got great examples. Raf has great examples. Uh, my friends in the police and other military branches and just everybody can relate to this. And I just thought in an age where everything is not face-to-face and people aren't about being in public, I think, as much as they used to be, everything is by email, everything is by, you know, one-on-one, whether it be positive or negative. And it's just kind of like made me want to revisit, like as a leader, as an organization, as a culture, how important both positive and negative reinforcement are uh, in order to achieve the ultimate end state and being that guide. Uh, so today, you know, we're going to cover some examples of positive, some examples of negative. Uh, but one of these quotes that I heard the other day, actually, it's pretty funny how I heard it, but I loved it, is there's an old show from the 80s, end of the 80s, called Tour of Duty. And Tour of Duty. It's just a gave me it on a hard drive and I've been looking for it, but it's about Vietnam. Well, Carl Weathers, okay, Apollo Creed, plays uh, a special forces colonel that runs one of the MACV SOG teams, which was like a, you know, super secret group back in Vietnam doing stuff. And there was a great episode of just how he is as a leader with his teams and everything else. And he said, never starve your people of food or compliments. And I was like, damn, off a TV show from Apollo Creed. Imagine that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was like, man, I really like that. And it, and it kind of put me down that hole of thinking of examples. And man, that is very important. And why, you know, and, and I spoke with you about it. And I talked with Brady and Katie about it, you know, a couple other people. And it just really hit home. So I was like, man, how would you guys feel about this episode? And you guys agreed. So that's kind of the backstory of how we how we got to those. I do I do love that Tour of Duty and 80s TV play their part. <laughs> Just for the listeners, Mike loves 80s TV. He, he lives for it. And I mean, Tour of Duty, I used to watch that on a Friday night in Australia. It's a funny thing. Sometimes you've got the convergent backgrounds. Do you want to just give the quote? Again, I don't want to pork it away. Yeah. Never starve your people of food or compliments. If you really think about that too, man, like you need food to, you need food to grow. You need food to survive. Like it's the driving force. It's energy to me. So are compliments, you know, but in some environments, compliments don't exist or, or they're very rare to come by. Uh, my community, in my opinion, is, is one of them. You know, I'm in a very alpha male type community where literally, you know, we talk about being quiet professionals and, you know, not advertising what we do and just staying humble all the time. So that's kind of backwards of like, Hey, we need to compliment our people, you know, cause at the same time, it's like, we don't do it for the compliments. We don't do it for the pat on the back, but at the same time, how do you let your people know, Hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, you're going in the right direction. You know, air force, air force pilots are notorious for how hard the debriefs are. Yeah. So a one-hour mission can, in cases, be a four-hour debrief. And there's nothing a short a short debrief is. It was really good because there's nothing. There's very <laughs> when I say nothing, I I can't really remember getting 
ever really any positive feedback. It was just really short, a short list of bad points to work on because time is short and they want you focused on where you need to improve and there is no perfect mission. And it's funny on a on an officer evaluation review in Australia, your annual, you know, your annual uh, performance appraisal. I don't know what you guys call it, but on your annual review, when they're assessing the 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 uh, the person being assessed, they look at the uh, background of the senior officer doing the evaluation, and if it, and if it's a pilot, they actually factor you up. And <laughs> in Australian engineers, they factor it down because it's all, you know. This, individual, this officer walked on water and fed crowds of 5,000 people with only five fish sorts of stuff comes from engineers, whereas the pilots are like, he achieved the required standard and that's the end of it. So, so you brought sounds, like up, we've both come from, sounds like we both come from uh, like communities that give pretty hard debriefs. Of course, and because I think the risk is high. You know, it's like, what are you putting into this? Because the risk is extremely high. If you mess something up, then you're going to get smashed or killed. So I understand that piece, but what you brought up is evaluations, right? So we'll just talk again, we're military guys, so we'll play that side of it. But again, you can look at this across the board for any job is you have a yearly evaluation, right? Most people do or a bi-yearly one. And if you just go, if you wait an entire year, to get an evaluation and hear from your bosses or your leaders being like, Hey, you've actually not been meeting the mark or fantastic job. Here's an award. Then that's absolutely failure on the community's part. So that's a year, man, or even six months. This stuff should be implemented uh, maybe daily, depending on what you're doing or weekly, you know, Hey, end of the week, you know, Hey, every Friday, we're going to do this. And we're going to talk about high, high and low points or positive. I'm going to give praise. I'm going to let you guys know. And I wanted to just bring up a couple points. You know, we'll start with positive reinforcement um, or compliments as I like to call them. Right. What do, what does positive reinforcement and compliments ultimately give you as a, as an individual or as a team, however you want to look at it. To me, these are a couple of things that popped out. One is it gives me assurance. So if somebody comes up, says, hey, man, you're doing a really good job, Mike. You know, you're crushing this, you're doing this, and it's really showing, it's really having a positive effect among the work that we're doing, right? That gives me assurance of like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Like, I'm I'm, I'm sure of the mission. I'm sure of the objective, right? Then it also gives me the confidence because it's like, I know what they want me to do. And I, now I know I can do it because they're telling me I'm doing it and I'm doing it right in a good, positive way. So that kind of bolsters me up, right? It makes me feel good. Anytime you get praise, like, of course it makes you feel good. You go, you go, you go tell your friends, you tell your family, you tell your wife, your husband, whatever you go out and you're like, yep, I got praise today. I'm going to the liquor store, buying myself a bottle of wine and celebrating because I'm doing good. Right. It's just good across the board. Um, it builds pride. So personal and team pride, you know, it's just like, Hey, this is going to be a hard task. That's going to take six months. And, you know, in the end of the first month, let's get together. Let's do an evaluation. Hey, team a, you guys are doing amazing. You guys have crushed this and throw some data points at them and just be like, team a is the example that team's going to walk away. Like, 
Hell yeah, dude. They're going to be, you know, walking around taller, pride, you know, happy, you know, they, they put in the work and it's recognized in front of everybody. Uh, so that's another thing. And then sense of accomplishment, everybody and in, in their endeavors of work, sport, whatever, everybody wants to have a sense of accomplishment and hearing somebody recognize you for achieving a, a position, uh, a promotion, whatever it might be. Having that sense of accomplishment is, to me, is everything. You know, when I go to bed at night, I look at back in my day and I say, what did I accomplish today? You know, I can do that internally and still feel pretty good. But when I have somebody that's really close to me or my boss or anything recognizing, be like, dude, Mike, you crushed it today, dude. Like, really good job. You know, I feel great. What do you always say, Mel? And you've, you've quoted before, it's just like, praise from the high praise is high praise indeed is that it praise from the praiseworthy is high praise indeed right exactly right from heath bartlett there you yeah. go i'm not as scholarly as melon but <laughs> well that was a, that's a mate i reckon i reckon there's something there's really a lot in that like i've i've got a point there around the status or the respect you have for the assessor the one who's giving you the feedback how much, how much you're going to, how much credence or like the leverage that that feedback has on you. Like someone who, you, you know, they're struggling themselves or they've just got into the role or they don't have a certain breadth of experience or reputation passing feedback or in an area they'd have no, no or low skills in versus someone who's a, a well-recognized person in that field. It could be a lead nurse. It could be a, a principal in a school situation. And their reputation and recognition of who they have been and achievements that they have made amplifies that it, it obviously gives credence to negative, but it also really amplifies that positive. So I reckon there's a real, that's an excellent point there. Praise from the praiseworthy is high praise indeed. Absolutely. And, and if you work for somebody or, you know, I don't like looking at it as like, hey, you work for me because, yes, you work for me, but also I work for you. You know, with and a touch on leadership is leadership is not po about power. You know, I don't have power over you. I just have a thing called authority. U ultimately, is I have the authority to make decisions that you don't. But that doesn't make me better or worse than you are. I'm just now the the person that's supposed to guide the team, and then you're supposed to tell me what you need to get there. You know, so it's it's a it's a partnership. It's a relationship. There's no like, you know, I'm, I'm better than you. That, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when I see uh, things about, you know, at least for the military is, you know, senior enlisted and officers, you know, it's just like when I walk into a room and I see an officer, I don't think that they're better than me at all. It's just like, all I know off the bat is I'm going to call you sir or ma'am out of respect because, you know, yes, you've earned that position, but past that, you got to show me a lot more. And, you know, as a senior enlisted leader, uh, I take that, you know, I have a lot more experience usually than junior officers. Uh, and that's partially my responsibility is to train them and teach them how to do that stuff. But, you know, leadership is not an automatic, you know, I love it from the movie Braveheart, you know, he's just like titles, titles give you, or what is it? Uh, position gives you title or something, but it does not give you. No, I messed that up. It's something he says about they don't follow the men don't follow titles they follow courage, right? 
And that's right. kind of the thing. You don't have to follow a title just because. In, in organizations, in families, in sporting teams, there are positions that hold authority and people are given a level of authority. But then the individual, whether they have the attributes whether that, that gives them respect as, as distinct from that authority, it could be command in the military, it could be just a family authority position. And your, your reputation and respect, it's, it's, it changes everything in how uh, direction and leadership is going to be followed by the people below. So you can have a football team or a like Mark McCarthy uh, a few weeks ago was talking about that trauma situation where the, he was the nurse, took the medicine, the doctor was directing him to do something wrong and he was resisting and, and that doctor had made a major error. So in that command structure, you'd say that the doctor is the one in the authority position and in that situation, Mark knew better than him. And the same thing happens in all organisations and across the board. So there's really something in there around um, respect is earned. It's not granted. You know, like there might be an authority that you have due to a position. However, at the end of the day, it's the respect and the reputation that the individual has in those positions is going to give weight to what they're, what they're saying and how that team's going to follow them and how they're going to perform. Yeah. No, and, and that's a great point. And, and what kind of, you know, made me think about this too is what you just said is, you know, you're in a, in a junior position, but then once you become a leader, now it's your responsibility to give praise, to give compliments and positive reinforcement to your people, right? So one thing that I like to do is I have a book. It's a little hardback green book that's, you know, eight inches tall, but I've had it for a long time. And when I'm in instructor uh, positions or overseeing positions where I can kind of sit back and watch and see how things go, I literally on the left side, it says good things. On the right side, it says bad things. Like I'm a, I'm a freaking gorilla, right? I keep it very simple. You know, on the left, I write things like, you know, what I think when I was a new guy, you know, I was brand new to the team and I was, wow, I wish, I wish this person would like recognize me a little bit more. I wish this person would say this or do this or for all of us, for like the team, like he never did this for the team. He never acknowledged the work that we did or it was just like we just did it and felt unappreciated and we were just like shrugging our shoulders looking at each other and be like did we do good like was it really that important you know and, and I write that on the left and then when I see really good examples from all leadership so not just in the military but people I've, I've met over my time uh, from sporting organizations from big business from anything else just good leaders you know I write down the good stuff like, man, they really praise their people. They bring them in like he's really connecting them with them on a, on a level that's not in his title or position. Like he's bringing it, you know, he's almost taking his rank off and just mm -hmm. being like, Hey, this is just me. And this is the deal. And like, I really appreciate you guys, you know, and, and, and being that way. And I see the response, especially, you know, we're still talking about positive is if I see those traits, if I'm getting, praise here and there where I've just had a rough time and I've been putting in extra hours and working long days and nights and busting my ass. And a person takes just a little bit of time to pull me aside and be like, Hey, you're doing a phenomenal job. And for, for your work, you can have the day off. 
hey, you can go do this, or hey, I'm going to give you this opportunity because you earned it. Why wouldn't I want to work for that person? And, and in a lot of cases, there doesn't need to be any actual reward other than the feedback. Sure. Because, because we all know, we can all picture occasions when we were in an organization, the person above, it could be a school situation with a teacher, you, you know, when you were the student, all of us have the example of being the junior one in the relationship. When we wanted positive feedback or we did something that was either acknowledged or not acknowledged, and we know the feeling that that engenders in you. And, you know, an organization that doesn't provide positive feedback to people are going to really disincentivize. They're going to, they're going to have a big motivation morale drop and you're going to have people moving towards that, you know, working to rule that unwilling compliance and who are not solving problems that need to be solved at the lowest level. I know we've been talking about it a lot. There's examples. I know that I've, I've also been in a situation where I've responded very well to negative feedback. And I have, as an instructor, given both positive and negative feedback. And I've seen people respond well to both. And I've seen other occasions where people have perhaps taken the foot off the gas pedal when they've received like a scary positive feedback. And I've seen people fall apart when they've been given a little bit of negative feedback. So there's an art here. Like there's definitely a, uh, a, a an ability you can cultivate as a person giving that feedback and tailoring it for the individual. But some broad guidelines I have is praise, praise in public and criticize in private. Yes. So if you can let some, if you can stand someone up, or you can point out in front of a group, and especially uh, in front of superiors, positive performance, it costs zero. Let a whole team know, and there's, and then if someone needs to be taken down a peg or two, or to get negative feedback, do it in behind closed doors. Do it away from peers and superiors, and especially subordinates. So let's 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 dissect that portion a little bit. I know the next part's coming, but. Let's put ourselves in a group environment and Melon, you're my team leader and the CEO is debriefing us and you're my team leader, right? So he praises you and says, Melon, good job. You're picking up this, you're doing this and, and your response is spot on. Really good job. For me, looking at you, I'm going, hey, I got a good team leader. I trust yeah. him. I know that what he's telling me is good. And that builds my confidence, you know, all those points that I talked about, assurance, confidence, pride, you know, like I'm part of something special, man. Like my team lead is, is getting praise. Well, he's running me and he, he knows what he's doing. So this is good, you know, and, that's kind of the effect. In that same scenario, if I now, when it's my time to, to talk, highlight the individuals in the team and I say, just so you know, uh, to the CEO, that it was Mike who led the sales push and got the key uh, deal across the line. And he's the one who brought that revenue in for the business in this quarter. While the CEO is there and all your peers are there, then you obviously have a feeling that immediately flows through you. Yes. Costs zero, but zero. massive, massive effect. So I've got the pros in public, criticize in public in uh, private, I should say. And then there's another one around whether it's specific or general. So general uh, positive praise uh, can be specific positive praise, general negative praise, specific negative praise. 
So letting someone know the exact thing that they did wrong, the detail, the way they were handling a weapon, the way that they summarized the sail at the end of the pitch, the way that they landed the aircraft or performed a loop, specific negative. So they're getting exactly the item that they need to improve. It, it, this, this has a small impact on morale. General negative, you are a terrible pilot. You, <laughs> you are a terrible teacher. You can't swim. You can't kick a ball. You're not good at football. Like those statements, general negative, massive impact on morale, on the individual. Right. Specific positive, that was a very good, you know, your grouping at the 200-meter shoot was excellent. The way you climbed that building wall was great. The way you dealt with that customer who was upset, that was excellent. Small impact on morale. And then general positive, you are a gifted pilot. You are a great soldier. You are an amazing nurse. Massive in, in impact on morale. Yes. So the general has a large impact on morale, whether it's negative or positive. And the specific has a small, but we all need the specific so you can get the, the, the keys. So if you really want to impact someone, give them broad, positive feedback in public. And if you want to crush someone, give them broad, negative feedback in public. That person will probably never play that sport again. They'll never pick up another book to study that course again, et cetera. So consider these when you're giving the feedback, the positive, negative nature, the public, private nature, and the specific or general nature of the feedback. Oh, that's great. You know, to add to it, you know, one thing I do is when I, when I see somebody that I'm training and I see that there's potential, I see that they're working through it and everybody makes mistakes, right? Everybody has something they struggle with, which is good. That's normal. I always like to start out with a specific positive before I give them the specific negative. So, hey, you came into the room really well. You did your scans really well. This went down really well. But when you got to this point, this is where you struggled. This point, this decision point, this action, whatever it is, that's where I get it. So I'm not, I'm basically not sinking their ship right out the gate and then being like, oh yeah, hey, by the way, but uh, you're a great sailor, <laughs> you know, even though your ships are already underwater. So yeah. Yeah, it, it, that'd be stupid, you know. So I like to approach it that way uh, if they deserve it, and I see them working through it. So it's like, dude, I don't need to crush this guy. Like he's doing a he's doing nine out of ten things right, but I still have to address the one thing that's wrong. Good, exact exactly what you've just said there, Mike. So the the broad comment, and then in, in positive, and then the detail, the specific, and the negative. This is the same thing. Like you can give an overall. Debrief, air crew debriefs in the Australian Air Force, I call about the bathtub where it starts good and then it goes down and then it's all the bad stuff and then it finishes good. Yeah. It can also be referred to as a certain type of sandwich with something horrible and brown and smelly in the, in the middle of it. Vegemite? There's good, <laughs> well, similar to Vegemite, Vegemite <laughs> mixed with crunchy peanut butter, <laughs> where there's, there's good either side of the, the negative. And this is the thing, people forget to give the good when they've seen something that needs debriefing and they want to get those points across just take the overall like mike's just talking about here that individual who's doing nine thing nine things out of ten right don't just nail them for the one 
Another one that um, is very important in the feedback is proximity in time to the actual incident. And the best time is always closer. In Obviously, in context, if you're in the middle of a firefight, if the patient's flatlining, if the sale is not going well, in the moment, it's not the right place to do it. However, it should be given in, in, proxim, uh, in close proximity in time so that the person has you know, a sense of exactly what happened and they're getting the feedback in a timely manner so that they can, they can, they can remember all the details that you're talking about and then they can, they can improve. <laughs> so with that, I, <laughs> maybe I'm just a total turd for thinking about this, but that, that's directly with, like, with what women do when you mess something up and then it's just like are you mad at me no i'm fine and then two years later you ha- you mess something up and then it's quiet and then you hear do you remember two years ago when you messed this up and you didn't do this for me and you're like oh my god you <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure there's ladies out there in podcast land screaming at the screen saying my partner my boyfriend i remember when I would I'm sure like to, we all do it. I would like to label that under negative reinforcement. <laughs> well, I, addressing that point just very quickly, I have a thing where if you apologize and the other person accepts it, they give up the right to bring it up again. And I this is just my, my tip for a happier relationship. But the apology has to be like heartfelt, which has to include in the end of it a bit of a, an example or you're going to demonstrate how that's not going to occur again, the behavior change that's going to occur from now on. So it's credible apology. And then the other person has to have time and they can either accept or not. You can't be like, well, I apologize and you have to take it. No, no, no. They can say, I'll think about it. But when they do accept it, they give up bringing it up in the future. That's a little five cents extra of a relationship tip from Melon. So yeah, see, that's beautiful. That's why I love Melon. I bring it up just like, oh, women will call you out from things you did two years ago. They keep track. They got, they have a little notebook of good and bad things, you know, and, and just wait to bring it up. And Melon just turns around and turns it into this eloquent explanation of beautiful relationships and communication. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm learning here. I'm learning. Uh, you're all good. And <laughs> so we've got proximity. So the proximity and time to get the feedback across give the person a chance to improve and uh, they'll actually remember what you're talking about, especially if it's detailed work or there's a lot of stuff going on. You're going to have to perhaps pull someone out of a situation to give them feedback. Or, you know, if you're good at it and you're able to give notes, if you've got, uh, as Mark McCarthy talked about, that simulation where they've got a video camera running and they can debrief or in some of the aircraft that I fly, I've got a a head up display camera. So everything's on tape. You can take them back and show them. But if you don't have those things, you might need to break it, give them feedback, and then continue. The other one is earned versus unearned. Mm. So we all know, we have all seen examples of both positive and negative feedback that has not been earned. And the credibility of the assessor goes uh, to zero effectively in front of the group. So if you don't actually have positive feedback to give, just don't. Don't add stuff like well done for putting your uniform on today. Well, <laughs> look at you. You got your boots on the outside of your socks. Well done. So I so I think what you're talking about, and I'll call it what it is, it's bitching. So in an environment when your stuff's going on and people are just bitching, bitching the bitch, everybody does, right? People just let it out. They feel better about themselves. And you know, an example of that is is one that happened to me when I was in another leadership position a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, 
I'm in that position. I'm, I'm tasked with making decisions and moving forward with the guidance that I'm given and trying to make it the best for, 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 for the guys that I'm leading. And I had one guy in particular that just constantly in my ear, that's not what so-and-so would have done. Like this other guy that was a higher rank than me from two, three years prior, you know, his name was Dan. And this guy would just come up to me and be like, that's not how Dan would do it. That's not what Dan did. That's not what this, this is BS. This is not how you do this. This is not how you do that. No solutions. Just in my ear with negative. And I literally got to the point, I was like, dude, shut the hell up. If you have nothing positive or constructive to say, then don't even speak to me. You know, like it, like I let it go for a bit. And then it got to the point where it's just, you know, I don't know if that was immaturity or he was just felt like he needed an off gas every single day, but that was a perfect example of that. What's up? This, this is like the absolute heart of all feedback. You've just brought it up. If there's no, if the criticism does not include steps to improve, then all you're doing is crushing morale. Yes. So you have to be giving people in these, in these feedback, there must be how, H-O-W. You have to be letting them know how to improve, what staircases in front of them to take them from where they are now to where they need to be. And if there's no how, all you're doing is absolutely crushing morale and ruining your reputation that you, you may not even be aware that that is what, what's happening. But that individual is going to, if it was done in private, is going to pass that around to his peer group or her peer group. Or if it's done in public, everyone is going to know that there was no constructive criticism. There was no steps. There was no how included in there. So it, that, that also shows you up as an individual who doesn't have mastery of the topic enough to be able to give someone the easy steps that they need to, to take to improve. So another perfect point there, Mike, around, around uh, feedback. So like unearned negative feedback where someone is just crushing people below them because they got out of bed on the, on the wrong side. That, that is, we all have probably worked under or for or around people like that. And it's a toxic environment that's created by those people. Yeah. And, and actually my response is I pulled him aside privately and I kind of, I kind of let him have it just because he was letting me have it for days. But then I told him, I said, you know, you bring up all these great examples about how to be like Dan was, and you know, he did, he did it this way and he was so good at this. I was like, did you ever take a minute to learn what Dan taught you? And if you want that to be that way, then why don't you do it? Why don't you act like Dan if you looked up to him so much and liked how he did things? Because you're literally doing the opposite while you're pissing me off, <laughs> you know? And that's that's yeah. kind of what I told And his face was just kind of like, Ugh. you know? And I was like, I'm just telling you straight, dude. Like, if you ain't got a solution and you want to bring negativity into the you know, the, the Vegemite sandwich we were just given, <laughs> then, uh, then leave me alone because we're trying to figure out how to win here, you know? Yeah. Uh, unearned, unearned, broad, negative public criticism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Flush your uh, reputation down the river. I just want to touch on as well now, just with like feedback and uh, like rewarding people. There's research that I... Uh, was exposed to during uh, HR unit in the MBA, where they they have all the research that's been done, the studies are out there, where they measure the motivating effect of rewards for people, and they had a cash cash payments compared to non cash, and the biggest reward for 
employees was publicly being given two movie tickets and a voucher for dinner. And that was worth more than $1,000 direct cash payment when, if that was just put into someone's account. So it does not have to be large, expensive uh, rewards to motivate people. So the, the cost of two movie tickets and a dinner for two, like less than 100 bucks, done publicly, so like a end of a week or something like that, more than $1,000. And, and so businesses can run themselves dry chasing performance when they're the ways to do it don't have to be expensive. And, and I, would, I would actually argue that highly effective feedback and highly motivating feedback that I've received, <laughs> I've never received a dollar <laughs> for any of it. I've never had a, I've never had a bonus, bonus payment in military or in uh, what I do now. But we all know that there are leaders that we've uh, been exposed to where they have created a strong feeling morale, high motivation. It, it, and and that the people I'm thinking of, flying instructors, my first flying instructor, Mark Hardcastle, very, very tough guy, had suspended five guys on the course before me. And I thought my days were numbered. But when I adjusted and look, I got a lot of strong negative feedback from him, all in private. But then after that, there was, when I started to perform well, he then gave me strong positive feedback about it. And I had a huge amount of respect for him and it wasn't just him dishing out praise. So a balance between negative where it's needed with steps on how to improve and public uh, positive when it's earned is a hugely motivating thing. And it doesn't have to cost anyone a dollar for any of this. Right. And, and, you know, looking at two other sides of it too, and how you, how you're going to treat people, like, are you going through a selection process or are, have you already selected the team that's there to work on the, on the mission at the company, you know, whatever, like more than likely those, those people that are there at that level at the team or the company, they want to be there. They've earned something in order to be there. So if I'm treating them like students, like I'm there to crush you and, you know, kick you out at every chance that you get, then they're not going to want to work for you. They're going to be scared to move their talk or, you know, do anything. It's just like, if that's how you come across of just, dude, literally he's the hammer. Like how many people can you call the hammer in your environment? It's just like, dude, I don't want to be in the same room with this guy. Cause he makes me feel like an idiot, you know, no matter what I do. Uh, so it's kind of like, look at your people too. Like, are you, you know, are you running a military selection course? Are you running a police Academy are you in, you know, pilot selection and your course going up for a fighter or whatever, um, you know, going through nursing school, like whatever it, you can relate it to. But you got to look at what the status is and then what you're trying to get. Like if I have people that want to be there that are willing to, you know, they're trainable, they have great attitudes and they're like, tell me what to do. And I don't give them positive, but I just give them negative all the time. Then like, what am I doing? I'm not building them. I'm telling them why they suck. You know, anybody can walk into a room, see somebody mess up and be like, Hey, I don't know if you knew this, but you suck, you know, and everybody <laughs>, laughs and whatever, except that person. But then it's just like, and then they ask you, well, how do I fix it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I got stuff to do and this, that, whatever. I don't know, but you suck. Just so you know that like as your leader, you suck. It's like, and I, my response would be like, well, you suck if you can't tell me how to fix it. So, you know, have a nice day. <laughs> but hundred percent. I don't know. I popped in there. So, so I think that the best, all of us can picture 
a, uh, a person providing that feedback. And we all can picture really good examples and poor examples. And we can learn as much from the poor ones as we do from the, from the good ones. And, and I, I would also like to add that the really good ones are able to adapt so they can change their method of feedback delivery from the positive and negative and from the private and public and from the specific and general. And, uh, you know, obviously in my background, non-financial all the time, and they can tailor it for the individual. Like we talked about at the start, there are some people who thrive on negative feedback and there are some people who, you know, fall apart at the slightest hint. And there are other people that, like I have had uh, pilots where I've given a small amount of positive feedback and they have failed the next mission. They have just gone into zero prep. I'm God's gift for this. I don't need to work now. So it's, there is art as well. It's not just a formula you can roll out. You have to, be interested in your people. You have to be able to read them and adapt and adjust and tailor it. Yeah. So individual knowing, knowing your people on an individual level, like how does this person get motivated? You know, is, is yelling at Michael going through their climbing course and be like, come on, Michael, you can do it, buddy. And clapping my hands going to help him. No, he wants to be like, Hey man, you're slower than molasses. And uh, you know, I'm getting old over here. Can you please hurry up? You know? And it like forces them. So knowing your people and how to talk to them, you know, so a lot of like all male communities or sports, you know, like Melon, how many times on the rugby pitch did one of your teammates just look at you and just, you know, call you the biggest piece of crap. And you're like, yep, I need to play better. I got it. You know? And, and then you go out and make a play. Yeah. So, and, and that's another one, right? Like peer to peer, there's going to be plenty of times when you're going to be giving feedback where you're not in a position of authority or you might be receiving feedback and you're not in a position of being a subordinate. And we have to be able to deal with that as well. And so in those ones, there's a background of relatedness. Like you've got a relationship behind that you can lean on where you've got credibility with that person and you're providing appropriate feedback at the appropriate time. And I think a lot of that stuff we talked about earlier about the position of authority, um, not equating uh, with respect that you need credibility uh, in, the, in the position you're in. So yep, on a football pitch, in, in a classroom, when you're in a course with a course mate, you know, if you've got credibility with that person, you're going to have a, your feedback is going to have an impact. And if, if, if you don't have credibility, just I'd suggest you keep your opinion to yourself until you demonstrate credibility. Right. And, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do. Like you expect your boss to come in and like call you out or give you praise. You know what I mean? Like that usually think of that as an authority figure, but one of the hardest things to do that I've especially learned it's very hard to hold your best friend in the same job accountable and be like, Hey man, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm going to try, but look, this is really good. And this is really good, but you royally messed up this call and screwed the whole thing up. Like that's hard, man. But at the same time in a business and as a professional, that's not personal. That's a professional debrief point of negative or positive, however I need to address it. But that's probably one of the hardest things and getting comfortable with, you know, making friends and doing that because you're probably going to have that one friend that's just like, how could you say that to me? I thought we were best friends and all you want to do is hurt me and hurt my feelings and judge me. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. Like that. I care about you. Like I care about you. You're my friend. I care about this team. I want us all to succeed. And we can't get there unless you realize what you did wrong 
or what and, and how you could do it better. And I have an idea for you, like, hey, what if you tried this? Or what can I do to help you get to that point so you don't do that again? You know, like that's the that's the beginning of the path to success. I mean, you know, I'm picturing you in your role and I've, I've spent time with you now. And like, I know that you'd be giving that from a real position of credibility. Like you would have expertise there. And the way you've, the way you even demonstrated the start of that conversation, I reckon that is, that is how I've done that too. And you've been like, <laughs> Hey mate, I just want to have a quiet word. And it, th- those are hard conversations, right? Yep. But if you're, if you're in that position where you just want the team to perform well and people have seen you in that, you've had that as your, you know, your values and principles for a period of time, that's the only way you can never get that stuff across. Or you're only, you're going to come across as the guy who's moaning or pitching about, you know, just passing on criticisms. So I'd always start with a self-assessment and make sure that your own performance is at a certain level before you ever pass this feedback on. Yes. And I think there's another excellent point you brought out there is a feedback can never be, especially when it's negative, can never be personal. It can't be about the human being you're talking to. It can only be about the performance, about the actions that were undertaken or not undertaken. And if you can keep it professional rather than personal, you are going to give someone the ability to hear what you're saying. The second there's any personal included in the debrief, in a negative debrief, you're done. And if that's at a peer-to-peer level, that's a relationship ended immediately. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Oh, are there any other points that you were thinking of um, getting across here, Mike? Because we're sort of getting around that time. Uh, no, I mean, just to, just to kind of go over, we, we really covered a lot with positive and negative. And, you know, I, cover, I covered some of the positive ones of assurance, confidence, personal team pride, sense of accomplishment. Like, those are all good things. I don't, I don't really know too many people that don't want to have those. But just when you don't give any type of positive, even with your criticism, negative criticism or anything like that, you're, you're going to, you're going to cut off any sense of direction to a right path to your people, to even your bosses, you know, even if you have to give them, you know, debriefing points, but you're not going to have direction. There's going to be a lack of confidence that drops relationships are going to get damaged. Just like Mellon just said, like, if you attack me personally and you make it about that and not my performance at work, uh, then I don't, you're already put up a wall, dude. Um, no acknowledgement of effort, you know, like, do you not see the nine things that I just did? Right. And you're focused on just this one and call me the, the, the biggest, you know, turd in the whole, whole company. Okay, dude. And then, you know, I feel like I didn't even do anything. Why even work that hard? Cause you're just going to treat me like that. Uh, and then also just like, you know, the why, or what are we doing? Like, nobody wants to just be a tireless worker ant and just pick up the stone, bring it over and drop the stone, pick up the stone, walking over and be like, what are we doing? I'm getting burned out. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like there's no progression. Where am I going? You know, nothing like that. And just to have that little set, that little two minutes of just, Hey, you lift those rocks really well. And you are building the community for everybody to enjoy. And I want you to know that, or, wow, dude, you know, I thought you could lift bigger rocks and you're taking forever. Like you need somebody to help you and move this stuff over. Like just those two little things tell you ever, like so much about your performance and where you're at in the whole scheme of things. So that, that is absolute gold. 
when I was on uh, combat ops over Iraq in ISR role, we had maintenance crews who were absolutely going beyond uh, what they were required to do to keep our airframe serviceable. And we achieved a 100% mission uh, success rate, which is just incredible in a, in a fairly old aircraft at that time, in complex systems that break. We had got, they changed main, main landing gear in like 50 degrees Celsius. Like the tools can't be left in the sun or else you actually burn hands, skin got burned on guys touching. It's just crazy maintenance work was getting done by guys. I instituted a policy of giving feedback to the guys on the missions when we were landing because they were sort of just on the tools all day. You go take an aircraft, bring it back. Hey, this aircraft's busted. This bit's broken. You guys, here's another 10 hours of work for you to do before you get some sleep tonight. And I started an informal feedback on what we were doing in the mission that we just landed from, which was during heavy combat ops, especially in uh, in 03. And that became a formal uh, debrief that was getting put on every, uh, I think about every two days, the intel section were briefing the whole debt on declassified to the appropriate level. But so the guys could get an idea, hey, these are the combat ops that the, the air crew are going flying and, and doing. When they're coming in and asking for meal rations to be prepared at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, that just ruins the, the, the mess hall sleep roster when we're doing takeoffs and landings in the middle of the night and all that kind of stuff. They got the context, they got the why, so I reckon that's an excellent point to finish with, Mike. Probably there are people around you and peers and subordinates who don't have the clarity on the why, what is the mission that you're, un you're undertaking. So make sure that that stuff, that broad uh, goal is getting fed back to the people so that they understand the context of the effort that they're undertaking every day. So hopefully that's somewhere to leave. The other points I had was just a positive, negative, public, private, specific general earned or unearned, keep it close in proximity in time and that the person providing the feedback needs credibility. As Mike said, always avoid personal, keep it professional. Well, I hope there's something in that for, for you guys. If you're getting some benefit from it, please uh, leave some feedback for us and share it into community. We appreciate all of that. And uh, next week, we're hoping to have Tio back. So, so we're expecting a, a bit of a feedback on the reunion from his most recent deployment. So uh, stick around for that one. It should be good. Until yep. then, we'll see you next time. Yeah, leave some negative uh, reinforcement for Raf uh, since he was <laughs> not able to attend. So we'd like to see some examples of some negative reinforcement for Raf. Let him know he's doing good for being home, but then smash him on some of his previous actions. So yes, thank you. And we will see you guys next week. Welcome home, Tio.